In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Think what it would be like to live most of your life exposed to the elements, to endure the heat by day and the cold by night, to suffer the assaults of wind and rain, to be constantly on the move, to be alone most of the time, to be chronically sleep-deprived and always on the watch against thieves and robbers and ravenous wild beasts. In case you haven't guessed, I'm describing the life of a shepherd in first century Palestine. Unchanged in its essentials, the shepherd's way of life continues to this day in the Holy Land, but it also extends back through history, the history of the Old Testament, and into the mists of prehistory. Abel, the brother of Cain, was a shepherd. Moses tended the flocks of his father-in-law, Jethro. Jacob cared for the flocks of Laban. There's the story, if you remember, of how Laban promised Jacob his daughter Rachel in marriage, if only Jacob would shepherd his flocks for seven years, and how, when Laban dealt unfairly with Jacob, Jacob angrily reminded him how much he had suffered in his service. These twenty years I have been with you, he said. Your ewes and your she-goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. That which was torn by wild beasts, I bore the loss of it myself. You held me responsible for anything stolen by day or night. Thus I was. By day, the scorching heat devoured me, and the frost by night, while sleep fled from my eyes. It's not exactly the picture of a shepherd's life that we get from paintings or poetry, is it? I'm thinking of those paintings or poems in which the shepherd reclines in the shade by some babbling brook, munching an apple, or playing his flute, or romancing a pretty shepherdess, while the sheep take care of themselves. Nor, we have to admit, does the harsh reality of a shepherd's life fit very well with some of those images of Christ, the Good Shepherd in which it's always a fine spring day, and the sheep have just had a bath, and our Lord looks like he has just left the spa. Now, I don't mean to disparage such images. It's fitting, in a way, that we should see the Good Shepherd through the rose-colored glasses of his love for us. But if we sentimentalize his love too much, we are liable to forget how much it cost, to forget how much real love always costs. 
It was not unknown for shepherds to lose their lives in defending their flocks. That's why, in addition to their staff, or shepherd's crook, they carried a club studded with nails, which hung from their belt and which they used to fend off robbers and wild animals. They were also experts with the rock and sling. Just think of David's encounter with Goliath. The American Protestant missionary William McClure Thompson, who traveled through Syria in the 19th century, cites as typical the case of a shepherd who, as he says, instead of fleeing, actually fought three Bedouin robbers until he was hacked to pieces with their conjars and died among the sheep he was defending. So when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I will lay down my life for the sheep, he wasn't spinning an image out of thin air. He was talking about real life. Just as a good shepherd really did lead a hard life of constant vigilance and readiness to die, so also did the good shepherd. Foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the good shepherd had nowhere to lay his head. Yet, if overly sentimental images of the Good Shepherd can make us forget how much our Lord's love cost him, they can also make us forget how much our sharing in his love will cost us. Here, it's important to understand another aspect of the shepherd's art. In some parts of the world, such as England and America, The shepherd follows his sheep. He allows them to lead. He allows them to sniff out their pasture. And if he has to get them to a particular place, he uses dogs to herd them, that is, to frighten them into that place. Not so in the Middle East. There, the sheep follow their shepherd. And they can do this because they really do know the shepherd's voice. In fact, if two flocks come together and get mixed up, their respective shepherds will simply stand on either side of the group and make their distinctive calls. And the sheep will, will sort themselves out accordingly. Can you see how this applies to us and the Lord Jesus. First, it is we who follow the Good Shepherd. It is not he who follows us. Now, that's an obvious enough a point, you might say. But is it really? Don't we spend much of our lives doing whatever we feel inclined to do? And then... When we look around and Jesus isn't right there, get upset. I'm not saying that our Lord won't seek us out when we're lost. Of course he will. But 
If he's seeking us, we're not following him. And if we're not following him, we're not really part of his flock, or at least we're not acting like we are. And then, when he puts us on his shoulders to carry us back to the flock, how many times do we resist and struggle? Have you ever tried to hold an animal that doesn't want to be held? And why do we so often resist? Because, if we're honest, the way of the Good Shepherd is hard. It's hard to follow him, to take up our cross, to live a life of self-sacrificial love. It's hard, especially for us selfish creatures wounded by sin. We want to, yet we don't want to. And the plain truth is, a very important truth to keep in mind, we can't. On our own, we are incapable of following Jesus. And this brings us to the second point. A good sheep is one who realizes that he needs help. That in fact, on his own, he is helpless. Blessed are we if we know we are sheep, weak, foolish, and apt to get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. Woe to us if we think we are strong, wise, and fully capable of taking care of ourselves. Imagine a sheep who thought that he was a lion. How ridiculous. Yet that is how we are so much of the time. That is what the proud, self-sufficient, autonomous, modern man is. A sheep who thinks he's a lion. He thinks he is his own man, that he serves no one. But in fact, he is only one of a herd of independent minds. And his shepherd is the spirit of the age. As the old song has it, you're going to have to serve somebody. The devil's first lie is to persuade us otherwise. He flatters our ego. You can be your own master, he says. You can be your own God. Come away from the flock, and I will show you true greatness. And, of course, we end up a slave. But we know our true master, and he knows us. We know his voice, and we know we are helpless without him. Following him means becoming more sensitive to his voice, more conscious of our need for him. And what can make us more conscious of our need for him? Many things. Our daily struggles illness, bereavement, disappointment, even our sins. 
When these things happen, we sometimes ask ourselves, where is Jesus now? Without stopping to think that he is right there with us. And that he's asking us to lean on him a little more. To put him more at the center of our lives. To make him alone our true desire. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs>